How do you feel about your future? You'll be more confident when God's promises are bigger than your preferences. Good morning, Cross Life family, and welcome uh, Facebook viewers and YouTube channel watchers as well. Uh, remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Channel You can get these videos as well as our children's message videos every week. Share them with your kids and with families in the neighborhood. And uh, if you're watching Facebook Live here in, in the crowd today, I encourage you to get your phone out, to log into it, and uh, you can participate with some chat. It's called Active Learning, and you'll actually take more away from today's message than you would if you weren't actively learning. So I encourage you to get on your phone, it's fine, and draw on your friends to today's message. And uh, you'll see the uh, message rewind also on Facebook through the week. And share away, share with your friends, let them know what the good news of Jesus is here that we're proclaiming at Cross Life. We continue our message today with our Dreamer series. It's the fourth week of our Dreamer series, and we're focusing on Joseph, who dreamed a different future. So I want to start that by asking you to notice the difference between two different ways to wake up in the morning. Here's the first way. Uh, no, not another day. Uh, I don't want to get out of bed. Uh, I maxed out my credit card again, and I don't think I'll be able to make that payment. We're not going to be ready for the inspection today unless the, unless the team steps up and, oh, steps. I'm supposed to be following my steps for managing my alcohol con consumption. I'm not doing very well. I shouldn't have drank so much over the weekend. Oh, I need a break. Maybe if the IRS wouldn't be shut down, I could get my tax refund and everything will be okay. Oh, I just need to face the day. I need a double espresso. That's approach number one. Here's approach number two. Good morning, God. It's a great day. Thanks for a restful sleep last night. You're the giver of all good things and you give me a comfortable house and a nice pillow. I can rest easily. God, I know that not everything is going to go my way today. It never does, but that's okay. I know you're bigger than all my problems, and God, I know that you assure me that I'm your child, and I'm blessed, and I'm loved, and my steps, well, you're guiding my steps, God. And I know that today will be just fine, even if it doesn't go the way that I want, because you take care of me. God, this is the day that you've made. I'm going to rejoice, and I'm going to be glad in it. God, let's enjoy today forever. Who of you would rather greet the day that second way? Say yes. Yeah, me too. All right, we're going to look at how we think about the future today. And that's an example of how we think about the future. We're going to look at how we look at the future and I want you to understand the difference between trying to know what God doesn't want you to know about the future or just being willing to not know it and then not worry about it at all. We're going to learn those lessons from Joseph today. I'm going to read now Genesis chapter 37, beginning at verse 2. Joseph, a young man of 17, this is key here, 17 years old, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, 
and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel, that's his father, Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made him an ornate robe. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So how well did Joseph handle the future? How well did he handle this information that God gave him in the dreams? I mean, the rest of the chapter goes on, and it says that his brothers actually had a nickname for Joseph. They called him the dreamer. And they hated him more and more. We just read their hate grew for him so much that they wanted to sell him into slavery. Actually, they wanted to kill him, and it didn't work out, so they ended up selling him into slavery. Don't sell your siblings into slavery. And then he was gone. And not, not part of the family anymore. Uh, but you, I, I, want, I, I think we typically look at Joseph a bit too innocent and his brother is a bit too sinister. You're all in families. We get these family dynamics. And you, you, you read the hints in Genesis 37. Joseph's father actually had to rebuke him for, for telling the dreams. Why did he have to tell his brothers the dreams? And how did he tell his brothers the dreams? Right? Repeatedly we read in Genesis 37 that Joseph is his father's favorite son. Joseph is preferenced. Joseph is a bit more entitled than his brothers. And so what's he going to do? He's the baby of the family. If, hey, kids, if you're preschool, elementary school, middle school, raise your hand if you're the youngest in your family. Are you the youngest, raised the youngest of the kids? And I see adults raising their hand too. Yeah, you're all spoiled. <laughs> Babies of the family. Joseph was, Joseph was preferenced. He was the favorite and he was spoiled and he took advantage of it and that's how he presented himself. Joseph's preferences, and he's 17. I see Joseph's preferences as being more important to Joseph than his brother's preferences and even more important than God's. I hear Joseph telling his brothers the dreams, 
and maybe elaborating a little bit. You know, there are these sheaves of grain, and they are out there, and there is one sheaf of grain. Oh, it was, its stalks were just golden, and it was plump with, with, with wheat, and all the other stalks, they were wimpy and brown and kind of dying, and they bowed down to this one. Yeah, that's me. And then the sun, moon, and stars. Oh, and there was this one star. It was just brilliantly shining, but all these other ones weren't quite as bright. But then the sun and these other stars started shining even brighter, and they shined down on this one star like a spotlight. That's me. That, that this is Joseph telling his dreams. How would you feel about that? We posted a meme on our Cross Life Facebook page recently. It said this to get this right here. Climb the mountain so that you can see the world, not so that the world can see you. Joseph was climbing the mountain, not so much to see the world, but so that the world, his brothers, his family, his dad, his friends, could all see him. Uh, Joseph didn't handle the future very well. He didn't handle being his father's favorite very well. He was sold. He eventually was a a slave in Egypt, in a foreign country, in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife was jealous of him, ended up framing him unjustly. He was tossed into prison, and there in prison, he sat, and you can do a lot of thinking in prison, and God didn't give up on him in prison. And it says this in Genesis 39, while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. The Lord showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. So get this now as part of the story. Joseph was his father's favorite. And then at Potiphar's house, guess what? Who was Potiphar's favorite servant? Joseph was. Potiphar put Joseph in charge of all of Potiphar's, not just his house, but his business. It says the fields, too. And then Joseph goes to prison. He's framed. And who's the favorite prisoner? Who's the preferenced prisoner? Joseph. Joseph is his father's favorite, Potiphar's favorite, now the prison warden's favorite. And how does he handle it in prison? We see a different Joseph. We see a growing up Joseph, a maturing Joseph. And so there's two government officials in prison, the the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt. They have dreams. They come to Joseph. Man, Joseph, you're the man. The spotlight's on you. You you got it going on. We need you to interpret our dreams. Here's what Joseph says. This says a lot. Do not interpretations belong to God Here we go, Joseph. It's not about you anymore, is it? Joseph is not the preferenced one anymore, but God is. This is a a repentant, maturing man who has had time to think and reflect and grow up and see that it's not his preferences that are most important about the future, but God's. And he's ready to tell that to anyone. He, uh, he interprets the, the government officials' dreams. Eventually, word gets back to Pharaoh, king of Egypt. The, the Pharaoh, king of Egypt, has a dream, sends for Joseph to come and interpret 
Pharaoh's dream, and Joseph does, and then here's what king of Egypt says. Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you, Joseph. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people and are to submit and all my people are to submit to your orders. His father's favorite, Potiphar's favorite, prison warden's favorite, and now he's Pharaoh's favorite. Joseph. And how do we find him handling that? Growing up, repentant, maturing Joseph. Though he lived in a foreign country, he, he saved up. He, he, God told him, right, through the dreams of Pharaoh that there's going to be this famine of seven years, right, seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine so that during the seven years of plenty, what does Joseph do? He uses his leadership skills, his, his administration skills. He's, Pharaoh puts him in charge and he saves up grain and he saves lives in Egypt and he does it for others and others' preferences are more important than his, including his boss, Pharaoh. Joseph's future is unfolding before his eyes, but it's a different set of eyes handling this, this future that he sees. Twenty-two years later, twenty-two years after his brothers sell him into slavery, all this transpires over twenty-two years. We're two years into the seven-year famine. Joseph is dispensing grain. He's administering Egypt. Lo and behold, who comes to visit? His brothers. They were living in a country that hadn't stored up the grain, was experiencing the famine. They needed food. They needed to survive. They needed to bring grain home. They, they showed up to Joseph. Come close to me, he orders them. And, and through this series of interactions, Joseph cries deeply, so deeply he has to leave the room. His cries are cries of regret, cries of repentance, cries of relief that his brothers are alive and he can see them again. He returns and speaks tenderly to them. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you, to preserve for you a remnant on earth, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. It was not you who sent me here, but God. Did you hear the words I and mine and spotlight and favorite in that explanation of Joseph to his brothers? No. What did you hear? God. Lord. His future his preferences, God's plans, God's promises, God's work. Brothers, it's not about me. God is working through me. I'm, I'm just an agent. I'm a vessel, and I'm here to be part of God's plan and purpose to help you so that, that you survive. Kids, another question for you. Raise your hand if you've ever said this. How long until we eat? 
That's a lot of hands. Even adults are raising their hands. Okay, put your hands down. How about this one? When are we going to be there? Sure, right? So the future that you don't know is hard to handle. Kids, don't, don't be embarrassed. Though. Even mom and dad have troubles with this one. The future that we don't know is hard to handle. So how does the future make you feel? Kids, parents, adults, how does the future make you feel, really? When you think about it, are you relaxed? Uncertain? Undecided? Anxious? Courageous? There's some people here who love to live in the past. They don't even know that there's a future. And there's some of us who really love the status quo of where we're at right now. It's comfortable, but we're complacent. We don't really see a need to change. We're just, let's just, let's, let's worry about now. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, so I don't need to plan for my retirement. I don't need to think about what my health is going to be like two decades from now when I want to chase my grandkids around. I don't, I don't need to worry about that. Let's live in the moment. What do you, how do you feel when you think about the future? We, I want to tell you two big mistakes that we make. If you can understand these about anything related to plans, goals, future, the, the future itself, understand this and you're going to nail it. Everything will be fine. These two things. Number one, we want to know what God doesn't want us to know about the future. We hate being out of the loop. So we're actually on a need-to-know basis when it comes to God, and he says, you don't need to know for a lot of things. And we say, no, I think I do need to know God. And we get so fixated on trying to know what God doesn't want us to know that then we get in trouble with number two. And number two is, we don't know enough about what God does want us to know. Why do we do this? We don't know enough about what God tells us, plainly and clearly. And that's in his word in the Bible. I get in trouble, you get in trouble, when, when we fixate so much on the future that, God, that we don't need to know the specifics. We don't. And then we neglect the beautiful, wonderful, loving, courageous, confident promises and plans that God gives us right in front of our eyes in the Bible. Why do we do that? tell you what, those are the mistakes. Here's the solution. The biggest thing that God wants us to know that we do know is that we can take everything about the future in our lives, everything that we worry about, everything that is trending in the wrong direction, everything that we can't control but we sure would like to, Everything about our nation killing more unborn babies. Everything about where the market is headed and if Trump's going to build a billion-dollar wall and are the immigrants coming or going. 
everything. Will, will you be able to have kids or not? Will your kids grow up and be able to go to college and be able to afford it or not? Will you have a job next week or not? Every, all of that. Here's the one big thing. Make it a spiritual issue. And think like Joseph was thinking. Not about your preferences, but that you are the preference. That you are the favorite. Now, like Joseph, you are God's favorite child. And I'm talking about an economy that you and I cannot understand. We don't understand how that can work in our physical, earthly realm, but it works in God's world. That each of you is his favorite, really. And that you are his preference. And like Joseph, you can face the future with courage and confidence that, <laughs> that you are God's preference because of his original preference and favorite and his real one and only son. I'm talking about Jesus. There's some interesting comparisons between Jesus and Joseph. Can you think of a few? Betrayed. Saw the future. Unjustly arrested and condemned. Took leadership in a public way. Both, it tells us this in Luke 3, verse 23, and in Genesis tells us Joseph and Jesus both 30 years old. Both saved lives. Joseph, the favorite. Jesus, the favorite of his heavenly father. At his baptism, at his transfiguration, Jesus says, right, with him I am well pleased. He's the favorite. And through Jesus, God's favorite son, you are now God's favorite child. God says, don't worry about the future. I got it covered. So frame your future not around your personal plans or preferences. Frame your future around God's promises. And that's when I say everything, everything will be okay. Here's an awesome promise from Romans chapter 8. The Apostle Paul is writing this. He understands this. Here's what he says. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I worry about deadlines. I have too many of them. Some of them I give to myself and I shouldn't, but I load myself up with more responsibilities and jobs than I should probably have. And then I worry about those deadlines because there's too many of them because they are screaming at me like, you're not getting to me and you're going to be late and I hate being late. If you're overwhelmed by deadlines, make it a spiritual issue. So here's what I need to do. I need to step back. All right, how is this a spirit? I have all these deadlines. I don't know if I can get rid of any of them, but, but I believe this. 
Jesus Christ, God's favorite son, had the biggest deadline of all, and it was three days. It was three days after he died, he had to rise from the dead, and he did it exactly on time in three days. He had perfect timing. The Son of God all the time had perfect timing. He is the master of the calendar. My deadlines are not my master because Jesus is their Lord. Your calendar does not own you, and it is not your boss. Deadlines are not your boss. Aging is not your boss. Jesus is the boss of the future. He's the master of calendars and deadlines because he rose from the dead. Not, he didn't just create time, but he showed the tracking of time. Who is in charge? And it's not time. It's him. You believe that? Say yes. Good. And I can give you a bunch of deadlines now and you'll be okay. Uh, when you're frustrated that you don't know what will happen in the future, here's a question to ask. If God's promises are more important to me than my preferences and priorities, what will change? Okay, you're frustrated, you're irritated, you're anxious about the future. Ask yourself that question. If God's promises are are more important to me than my preferences, what will change? And I guarantee you, you you ponder that question and pray it, and circumstances may not change a bit, but your heart will. And you'll be at a better place about the future and about worry. Another verse from Romans, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? You are God's preference. Do you believe that? Say yes. All right. Then make him yours. And tomorrow morning, I want you to wake up like this. God, that was a great night of sleep. Thank you. I, maybe I got two hours, maybe I got ten hours, but you're a good God, and I know you can handle today, and I'm so thankful that this day is greeting me. I know it's your day and not mine, and not everything is going to go by my way, but it's okay, God, because I'm your beloved child, and you love me, and you care for me, and you bless me, and you're guiding the way. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have your favorites, and we are it. It didn't go so well with Joseph being a favorite of his father Jacob because these were sinful men. But in your holiness and in your mercy, you can choose, and you choose every one of us to be your favorite. Help us live with that. Help us handle that as the biggest promise that affects how we look at the future. We thank you for passing along through centuries and in the Holy Scriptures this historical true experience and event of Joseph and his story and in his life because we see ourselves in him and we also see Jesus in him too. Thank you for your grace today. Thank you for your grace tomorrow. Thank you for your grace that is waiting for us in everlasting life. God, you're in charge. 
God, you lead. We will follow. Amen. When the giver of your dreams and success is God, when the fulfiller of your purpose is God, when the object of your dreams is God and he's the hero of your story, you'll have a clear and confident future. Follow us on YouTube and Facebook for the rest of the Dreamer series. What one promise of God gives you the brightest hope about your future? We would love to hear about it and encourage others through your story. So please enter a comment below. Thanks for watching and for gifts that support our video ministry.